You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. The Guided Goals Podcast gives you the tools, direction, and resources you need to pursue your passion project. I'm Deborah Eckerling, Project Catalyst, and this is the Guided Goals Podcast. Our guest today is Howard Broadwin, and we're going to talk about finding your niche. Howard is the founder of Sports and Social Change, a cause marketing agency in the sports industry, and he believes that a ball can change the world. You, you want to start with that? What more can I say to add to that? And that's exactly it. It's, uh, it's true. I, I would say it's, uh, it's a ball or a racket or a puck or a paddle or a, you name it, whatever your sports passion is. Uh, I think that can be your vehicle to go out and change the world. Okay. And with that, why don't you tell our audience a little bit more about that and what brought you to that conclusion? Sure. Well, oh, I've spent uh, a good 25 years in the sports industry, uh, working in both on the manufacturer side and sporting goods and footwear and apparel, and then working in the events business and worked on a lot of big events. And just noticed the, the power and the passion that comes from getting people together around something that they really love to do uh, and that they're big fans of, whether it's a sport they play, a sport they like to watch, a favorite team that they follow. Uh, sports is a great community building platform. So anytime you have that opportunity to bring all those people together uh, in a positive environment, you start to channel that towards doing some good around maybe a particular issue that also those people are, are particularly passionate about. You can drive some significant change. And uh, I realized probably a good five, six years ago that there was a lot of this going on in the sports business, but it was very fragmented and very scattered. So how do you get your hands around it and know more about who the players are and what they do and how do you get a hold of these organizations and channel all of that? So that's where I launched my, my business and found my niche. So your niche is, very simply put? My niche is uh, cause-related marketing and corporate social responsibility in the sports industry. That's like very specific. It is niche inside of a niche, if you will. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, I, it's funny because I come to this from a previous experience in a niche business. Um, interestingly, I was, I was in the wedding industry for a little while with another business that I had many years ago, which is a niche business, but it's a multi-billion dollar, like a $90 billion niche business. But within that, I had a groom-specific business. So we, we focused on content, products, and services for the groom. So we were very much a niche business in a niche industry at that time. So I'm kind of, I kind of feel comfortable in the, in the world of the niche. And why is it so important for someone to find their niche? I think it's important for someone because it allows them to really express what they're excited and passionate about and channel all the good that, that they have in the world to – finding a way to accomplish something. I think your, your niche is something that you would, you would pursue whether you're getting paid for it or not. You know, I think that's your, you know, that, that to me is the key thing. 
Some people will find a niche that they're good at that they really don't enjoy and they might pursue it because it pays the bills. Um, but I don't know how long that's going to last. I think eventually your enthusiasm for something like that might wane if all it's doing is putting money in your bank account. I think it's got to be something that makes you excited to get out of bed every day and, and pursue. So I think that's, uh, that's what it is about finding your niche. And you ended up in two very different niches. So how did you jump from one to the next? Uh, you know, the first one really came about from being in the sports industry. It was uh, a couple of friends of mine that I worked with in the footwear business. Uh, we came up with the idea to build a business around the groom because one friend of ours was uh, living with his girlfriend and thinking about getting married and the subtle hints of the De Beers ring ads were on the refrigerator and the copies of Modern Bride were on the coffee table. So that's really what gave us that that you know, kind of jolt one day to say, well, if she's reading all these bridal magazines, what, what are, what are you reading? And when we all looked at each other and went, wait a minute, why isn't there anything for the groom? We started to pursue that. This was back in 1995. Uh, and we eventually came up with a, a, an idea for a, a groom's magazine, which morphed really into a groom specific web business back in the nineties. And, uh, so the niche kind of found us, but it found us based on somebody's uh, situation in life at the time. And I think the current niche found me from being in the sports business and being involved with a lot of nonprofit organizations, doing a lot of volunteer work early on and a lot of pro bono work later on in my career and just realizing, hey, there's a lot of great organizations here and not a lot of people in our industry know about them and know what they do. So how do we make them more visible? Got it. So you shine a light on organizations that are sports-related that people wouldn't necessarily know about. Exactly. And we try to find ways to connect them with the brands that are interested in marketing themselves in sports, whether they're sports products or they're just consumer goods that like to do a lot of sports marketing. We like to bring those brands and those nonprofits together. And a lot of it is just to give these nonprofits a, a larger voice and, and a voice in the sports business. I think a lot of... Uh, a lot of these organizations are looked at as nonprofits, which they certainly are, but they're not looked at as part of the sports industry. So it's about making sure that they're engaged in those conversations and they have a seat at the table. And when, when people are talking sports, they should be talking about these organizations as much as they talk about the professional teams or the big events uh, or the things people do on the weekends. You know, how do we get these nonprofits into those same discussions? And so how do you do that? How do you get these lesser-known nonprofits, what, what are some examples of getting think, them known and out there? I think, uh, it's, um, I think it's a couple things. I think one is teaching them to do a better job of sharing their story of who they are and what they do and connecting with their audience. You know, I actually just did uh, a survey uh, of nonprofit organizations in the sports community, and one of the questions I asked was how – well-known art do you feel you are amongst the fans and enthusiasts in your given sport? So if you run a, a soccer-specific nonprofit organization, how many soccer fans you know, know you and know what you do? And it was well over 70% were in the range of either they don't know us or some know us, but we could be better. So I think the, you know, the, the key is, is how do we make sure that you're more visible just to the to the enthusiasts, the people who enjoy the sport. You know, forget, you know, the, the world of professional sports. If you are an after school program and you use soccer to help teach literacy, 
which is a phenomenal program called America Scores. It's in 16 cities around the country. Uh, how do soccer fans know who you are and know that know that what you're doing is really em- empowering and effective as an after-school program to teach kids about poetry and literacy through a sport that you're a big fan of? So how do you do that? How do you connect with the with people in your local community? How do you find local soccer organizations and clubs that you can at least connect with, speak in front of, uh, follow them on, on social media, retweet their stuff so that they do the same for you, get engaged in conversations. How do you do better PR? You know, How do you really take advantage of the tools that are out there to get noticed? So that's a, a very big part of it. So basically, if you have a niche, you need to be like completely immersed. You need to know who all the players are on all the sides. I think it's super important. I think if you're going to have a niche, it depends on on how big the niche is. But yeah, you should be, you should be, you know, I can't say an expert because I think an expert's a tough, that's a term that gets thrown around a lot. But I think you better be pretty knowledgeable. You better, uh, you better have your, uh, have your finger on the pulse, if you will, and, and be a part of the community and be engaged in all those conversations. Uh, and know, know what's going on so that when people do ask you about something that you, you can answer it. Um, and I think you also have to be someone who's hungry to know more about what's going on because you're never going to know everything. Things change, you know, so rapidly. So how do you stay in the loop? And when someone says, hey, have you heard about this amazing thing going on in your space? And you, it's okay to say, no, I haven't. Tell me about that. I want to learn about that. That sounds amazing. And how can I apply that to what I'm doing in the, in the groups that I work with? So I think you got to have that, that hunger and that desire to go chase after all that stuff, too. So in a way, a niche is almost like a badge, right? My niche is my badge, and this is who I am, and this is what I do. So that way, if you encounter people who, oh, wait, who can make connections for you, that's helpful, would you say? I absolutely agree with that. Absolutely. And that, and at the same time, then, if you're going to wear that badge, then you should be proud of that badge. And it should be shiny and clean. You know, because you've taken good care of it and you're proud. You wear it on the outside. You don't hide it away in your, you know, underneath your jacket and then show it every once in a while. You should be proud of that. If that's exactly what you're passionate about and that's your niche, then make sure everybody knows that. And so how do you keep it shiny? Uh, I think by uh, by staying, staying active and staying engaged. Um, you know, and that, that, keeps it, that keeps you out there and, and keeps it shiny. Um, and I think just by, by asking questions and learning, you know, there, there is no end to any of these and anything, whether, you know, whether you're in or niche or not, there's no, there is no end. There's no end to the internet, right? <laughs> Although yes. I know those people who will tell me that, you know, I reached the end of the internet today. Um, there is no end to a lot of this stuff. You know, so many things are changing where, you know, especially in the, in the, the disruptive world we live in now, so many things in the business community and social community, they're changing rapidly. So you keep it shiny, I think, by staying conscious and aware of what's going on and being, being open and willing to learn about those things and add them, add them into your, to your arsenal, your quiver, whatever you want to call it. Have those, those new things as something, how do you know, ask those questions. How does that apply? How does that apply to what I'm doing? How does the, the sharing economy apply to what I do? How does, uh, 3D printing and additive manufacturing apply to what I do. You know, how do all these these changes apply to what I'm like? Look at look at social media. You know, 15 years ago when social media was just starting to you know kind of seep its way into culture, most businesses didn't know how it applied to them. Now, 15 years later, 
every business has found a way to adapt social media as a part of their marketing platform and their communications platform. So how do you stay on top of these things and adapt? I, and I'm, it's interesting you mentioned that because I think even five years or three years ago, not everybody was on board the, the whole social media change. There's just been a flood lately. Without a doubt. And I think, I think a lot of it too is a lot of businesses are still not sure and, and because it changes so rapidly. You know, it's, it's a very dynamic landscape. So if you're going to get in, you've got to be ready to get in and know that it's going to change rapidly and you're going, to, you're going to have to adapt. So I think a lot of businesses were hesitant to get in. They realized they had to. Now everybody's in. It's noisy and chaotic at times, but it's also pushing the boundaries a bit. You're starting to see new things. You know, I, even, yeah, I, a year ago, uh, there was no Periscope. You know, there was no live streaming from your mobile device through an application that thousands and millions of people can watch from. And now there is. And now that's changing things. You know, so here we are. What's going to be a year from now? Who knows? So you've got to be ready to, to adapt. And it's not just important to be educated about your industry and the players. You need to be educated on the other influencers, other websites, other marketing platforms. Just the, it's the whole it's the whole everything, pretty much. It is. It is. It is. It's, it's the treadmill. And once you're on, it does not shut off. There's no off button. So you're going to keep, it's going to, that track is going to keep moving and you're going to have to keep moving with it. Uh, and that's, I, I don't think that's a bad thing. I, to me, that's exciting. You wake up every day and you're like, all right, what, you know, where am I? What do I need to, you know, it can be a little overwhelming. What do I need to catch up on? But it's exciting. Something new is, is going to come almost every, every week. And you're going to have to say, all right, is, does this apply? And not everything does. You know, I think that's a big thing as well. You, I think a lot of, uh, especially in the space that I'm in working with a, a lot of nonprofit organizations, a lot of things come up and a lot of the nonprofits say, hey, should we be looking at this? Should we be looking at Periscope and Meerkat and live streaming? It's like, well, uh, maybe, maybe not. Depends on what you do. Depends on if you have content that people would want to watch on a live stream. For a lot of them, no. <laughs> no. For a lot of them, they don't have that type of, of an organization and are not running a, a program that fits having a live stream. Others, uh, others, I think, are perfect because they, they provide maybe something people have never seen before. And getting a chance for people to tune in and watch it live could really be a way to open the doors to get more people involved. So it all depends on, on looking at these things and strategically going, does that fit with what I, what I do and, and the world that I'm in? Are there certain websites or tools that you look at all the time to stay on top of your niche? Uh, there are there are a lot of things in the nonprofit space, um, but I would say actually the one the one thing that I use on a uh, that I look at on a regular basis um, is I actually get a newsletter from uh, Springwise.com, and Springwise is a trends uh, forecasting service, and they have an amazing newsletter that uh, just on a weekly basis sends you. What they, what they call, uh, well, they come from people called spring spotters. That's their people out in the field who spot interesting things and send them in. And they're everything. They're all kinds of business ideas that people have launched, and they're from around the world. And the idea really with, with um, Springwise is what could you learn from this idea and how could you adapt that to your business? And they have a, you know, their business is about trend forecasting, and they do very high level and 
trend forecasting that a lot of big businesses subscribe to. But for entrepreneurs and small, mid-sized businesses and for nonprofits, their newsletter is a dynamite resource just to give you ideas and say, you know, this small business is just launched in the Netherlands. It's an app that lets you find, you know, other people who are cooking food based on the same types of foods that you eat, you know. And so, you you know, you can read a little bit about it, watch a little video, go follow the links, and then you start to – and it, it's great because it even prompts you, how would you apply this to your business? And it makes you stop and think and go, well, would that be something relevant to what I do? And so that, to me, is a great resource. I try to read that every week when it comes in. Um, I will be subscribing because I think that that's really cool and something new for me. So I thank you for the new awesome. information. You are welcome. <laughs> So work-life balance is so important, especially if, whether you've got a side project from your regular business or you're an entrepreneur living your passion. So what do you do to maintain that balance in your life? Oh, I don't have any. I, I'm all work. No. I, I, I know that that no, is you not know. true. So you're going to no. have to uh, answer. A leading question. Yes. Yeah, so I, uh, I ask everybody that leading question. I know. I know. Yeah. So I, I, uh, I play in a band. Um, I've been playing the drums for 30 years and, uh, I play in a funk soul and R and B band here in Los Angeles. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, that's my escape. That's my balance. I get, uh, I get into the rehearsal room once a week with the band for three hours. And I don't, I try not to think about work every once in a while it creeps in, but you know, you've got uh, you know, you've got a, a, a lot going on in a room full of eight other or seven other musicians. Wow. Um, so you've got to pay attention. And uh, and I have a very specific job. So because I play the drums, my job is to set the tempo and uh, and kind of guide the band. So if I'm uh, if I'm drifting off in my head as to the uh, latest uh, Springwise newsletter or uh, <laughs> who should be periscoping tomorrow's events. Um, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna run into problems, and everybody's gonna follow me into those problems. So, um, so it's good. That's the great thing about music. It can be a very, it's a very zen experience. You're in the moment, and uh, and you know, and you just kind of be and be with everybody, and, and connect around the music, and uh, and that's what makes it a lot of fun. So, you know, even going to rehearsal for me is great. You know, and then we get to play, play the show last weekend, playing a show in uh, next weekend. So, you know, trying to always get out around some, one thing about being in a big city like LA, there's all kinds of places to play. So trying to get out and play as many shows as we can. And so it's a very good, good side thing when you live in LA to have a band. It's but- a good side thing anywhere to, to, to play in a band. That's my advice. I think everybody should play an instrument. I think there's the other thing that I run into a lot of people who always say, Oh, I, I wish I could play guitar or I wish I had learned to play an instrument when I was younger. Just a great thing about playing an instrument is you can learn at any age. You know, some people say, Oh, I wish I, I wish I learned to snowboard. And now they say I'm 60 and I can't snowboard. Well, you, you certainly could still snowboard and it's a little more difficult if you have, you know, health issues or whatever, but to play an instrument, you can learn an instrument at any age. So I don't want to hear anybody say, Oh, I can't, I can't No, Yes, you can't. You have to go pick up the instrument and go take some lessons. You can play any instrument at any age. So the personal goal assignment we are leaving people with is to play an instrument? Or, Absolutely. Or, okay, can, can I give a cheat? At least watch a YouTube video of someone instructing. Do do some learning an instrument exploration. I think I think Absolutely. that is a good, yeah. good uh, personal goal. And I think for the professional goal of the week to – to subscribe to the newsletter 
and think of one way your business or brand can jump on a trend. Just brainstorm, think out of the box and come up with some interesting ideas. I think people would be amazed what they will learn about themselves through music. And depending, again, on what instrument you pick and what type of music you're into and all of that, you will actually learn about yourself, about how you approach the world through how you approach the instrument and the music. And uh, it's been very, very, uh, very much for me a, a great learning experience. Um, as I've grown as a musician, I've grown as a person. So I would encourage people to pursue that. Okay pursue music and figure out how to jump on a trend. I think they're two admirable goals, don't you? Uh, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We've been speaking with Howard Broadwin, the founder of Sports and Social Change. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.